when I first lost Courtney, I know that I made a decision to not let my loss define me, but I ultimately knew that it would refine me. And because of everything that's happened in between, that's why I'm here doing what I do now. I'm Yvette Walker, the host of the Positively Joy podcast, where we discover that joy is not a feeling, it's faith. You can find previous episodes at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. However you found yourself here, you are welcome, and I believe it was truly God-destined. We are in Season 3, and this season has taken the podcast into the vantage point of what joy is. I'd like you to listen to each episode this season through the lens of how Jesus Christ defines joy. John chapter 15 verse 11 reveals this when Jesus tells us to keep the Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoy, and I pray you receive the message the Father has for you. When the death of a child triggers painful memories of one years earlier, how do you cope? Peggy Green has overcome the odds and shares her personal story of life after losing two of her four children, one to suicide. We talk about her philosophies for surviving suicide loss and leaning on God in the middle of the mess. Here's Peggy. Hi, Peggy. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, Yvette, thanks so much. I'm honored to be here and excited to share. Well, you know, grief is a subject that I think everybody experiences to some degree. And just knowing how to deal with it can be so difficult. And some people deal with it in a much better way than others. And others seem to get lost in it. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think that that's so attributed to just how we have changed in our traditions and and how we grieve. Well, and that's why I'm really glad you're on the show today because your experience as a coach, as a grief specialist, will I think help a lot of women listening today, but also that experience that you've had, the loss that you've had, um, I think will resonate with a lot of people out there. And so, you know, we're going to get into that as well. So again, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. I'm honored. So before we really get into the work that you do, I always like to find out a little bit more about you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. So really, I'll just start with a a story and, and what got me to this point here. And so I'm a mother and I'm a mother of four children. So sharing this story with you is... I was driving home on a Friday afternoon and it lost in thought. It was a couple of weeks before Christmas and I was thinking about the holiday and the opportunity to spend time with my children because that was guaranteed time together because since I had gotten divorced, it was a little bit wonky. So it was our guaranteed time together and there our traditions and to be able to share, you know, our faith and the reason for the season. So I was lost in thought thinking about it. And I was admiring the lights along the highway and the decorations. And then my phone rang and it was my oldest daughter. And rather than hearing her say hello, I heard her saying, 
I know he hasn't been feeling well lately to somebody else in the room. And I immediately knew that she was talking about her brother, my son, because they worked in car dealerships next to each other and they were frequently found helping each other in each other's showrooms. Mm. And I was calling out to her going, hey, Brittany, Brittany, and she didn't answer. So I hung up and called back and pulled over onto the side of the highway because my gut instinct was telling me something was wrong. She immediately answered. I could tell she was really upset. And what she said to me was, mom, this is the hardest thing I will ever tell you. But Connor is dead. He killed himself. Oh my goodness. So I slammed my hands against that steering wheel and cried out to God going, why? Because this took me back to a flashback of 28 years earlier when I learned of the death of my firstborn. I was like, how could this be happening? I've been through this once. It was devastating. And so all I knew is I had to turn my car around and head back to get to my daughter or my family had gathered and where my son was. That was so important for me. And so that started my whole journey into where I am now from 30 years ago to two and a half years ago and what's happened in between there. Wow. That is, it's, it's almost too much to, to take. I mean, I'm sure you were thinking that. It was, it was horrible. And, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. I was stunned. And my first child passed away in an accident at daycare. My son took his own life. But no matter what way that they die, it still tears my heart apart. Mm. Not to be able to understand why I was going through this. It just, in that season... We don't know what's going on and why. So you had to turn your car around. How long was that ride back to your daughter? It was the second longest drive that I've had. Imagine Friday afternoon in a rush hour traffic, and it was a good hour. I picked up a friend on the way, and she insisted on driving the rest of the way. But I... I I remember calling, making a couple phone calls, but I remember getting to that dealership where my family had gathered, my niece had made it, my youngest daughter was actually on that side of town as well, and we got to that doors of that dealership, and I just pulled those doors open and ran in and did a family hug with my girls because I just had to be with them. I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. It was, it was horrific. Mm. And for the next few hours, as we were going through this whole process of waiting for the police detectives to be there, and because it was by suicide, it wasn't a clear they had to investigate it. So we had to wait for the coroner to get there and, and take my son 
away. And those times were just terrible because feeling helpless, getting stuck, crying. And I was given the option of whether or not I wanted to see my son. Mm. And I decided to do it because having been through this once, I had to see him to make it real. And that image is still in my brain, but it's not what dominates now. With suicide, it's so easy to get caught up in that, how they died Mm -hmm. and keeping that image buried in my brain. But when that image comes up, I choose to bring about images of him alive and joyful and being the young man that I knew him as. That, that is simply heartbreaking. I mean, there's really no other way to describe it. And to understand that you went through that two times. But what I'm wondering is, when it happened the first time, were you, because, you know, you're obviously time has passed and you're more mature and wiser now. Mm-hmm. Did it, do you think that the, the wisdom that you have now and the, and the understanding that you have now, um, did you have it after the first incident or did it take some time for you to somehow build that up? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and that's a wonderful question. So imagine 30 years ago, losing a child. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, the resources that are available today are not were not available back then. Mm. So I had my mother and my sister and a few close friends. But the other resources that we have now were not available then or else I didn't know about them. And so at that time, I did my best. I returned to work and I lived the way I lived my life. And when I look back on how I made it through that and all my other losses in between and ending recently with my son, my lifestyle, my beliefs in how I take care of myself is what supported me, but I didn't realize it then. But then also since then, I have found so many different things I've developed and created and personally used to help me get through my more recent loss. So it has built through the years and I went through it essentially, I'd say by myself the first time. And so I believe really what grieving moms want now the most is hope. And so that's why I do what I do now to give them that hope and keep them from having to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Revisit meant to be alone. It's meant to be done in a community and with support. But the transition and the changes in our traditions and the culture and having people, you know, die in nursing homes or in the hospital, we've lost that family aspect of having them die in the home gathered around 
and be able to grieve with the family. Now it's changed and it's more institutionalized death. And then, you know, they're taken from the hospital to the morgue. And then, you know, you may see them for a viewing, but we've changed the way we grieve and experience death. It's not talked about. I mean, when I was a kid, my grandparents lived in one town different from us. And so it was probably a good 45 minute drive. And through part of that drive, there was a cemetery. And as a kid, I remember ducking down in that back seat and holding my breath as we drove by. Wow. It's because I was afraid. I was never exposed to what a cemetery was, what death is, that it's part of life. It's that circle, you know, of life. So even as a young kid, I didn't understand it. So that we've never, we, I think we've lost that in being able to identify. I mean, to lose a child is what we think is so out of the natural order of things is that older people are supposed to die before younger ones. But the more that I'm immersed in this is we realize that that isn't what happens for so many reasons is that we lose children to childhood diseases. I mean, even if you think about a hundred years ago, people who lived on farms would have multiple children for hands on deck, but also understood that there was probably a likelihood that they would lose some in infancy to disease. And that was part of it. Now, we don't need all the hands on deck, but they realized that that was part of it. And, and somehow or rather with all the medical care that we offer, we don't see that as happening. No, I understand. You mentioned after your first child, you know, you returned to work and you got on with your life. So what were you doing? What did you do back then? Well, one of the reasons why she was she was in an in-home daycare, um, I was working as a manager in a rental car agency at um, the airport. Her mm-hmm. um, father at the time was traveling for work. And so he wasn't available all the time. And I was working 12 hour days starting at 6 a.m. and, you know, going until, you know, late in the afternoon or starting at two o'clock in the afternoon and going till midnight or later. So we made this decision to use somebody who was a non-traditional daycare because we didn't at that point have another, or our other choice was for one of us to stay home and we chose not to. So I was, I was working. And so I dove back into work because that's where I felt that I could contribute. I knew that if I stayed home, I would get lost in my grief. And that it was important for me to be able to feel like I had purpose again after losing her. Mm -hmm. So these two experiences, the reason I asked this question, these two experiences really shaped you and, and changed you completely because it wasn't like you were 
a therapist before and you've just changed your, you know, your, your area of specialty. It's not like that at all. I mean, you've completely changed uh, what you do and and what you spend time doing because of the grief that you've experienced and in an effort to help others. You know, I hadn't worked at that, you know, after Courtney died, we did make a family decision for me not to go back to work when we had our other children. So for quite some time, I was a stay-at-home mom. And then when I got divorced, I went into the health and wellness field because that was already my lifestyle of what I did. So I um, went back to school, got a second degree in exercise science, became a personal trainer, also did wellness coaching, nutrition, consulting, and really this whole coaching aspect of knowing what it's like to be healthy. And knowing Mm -hmm. that combining physical health and nutrition and spiritual health, that that's what makes us a well-rounded person. And so after Connor died, I wrote a book, Life After Child Loss, A Mother's Survival Guide to Cope and Find Joy, and really started to develop a program where I could help other, other moms. So I was still... I'm still in that coaching realm and helping other people, but I'm combining all these years of experience of on the professional side and making changes. And then on the personal side, knowing that now through those 28 years in between Courtney and Connor, that all these things I've experienced, I now have a really full toolbox. So I offer my professional experience along with the personal experience to bring together that coaching. And like so many people who turn to coaching and helping others, what happens is it is out of that desire to help others. They now become passionate about it. And that's the case with me. If you're listening to the show, you're already a member of the Positively Joy family. But now you can actually join our new membership levels and support the show while getting bonus content and free merch. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to learn more. So what have you learned about grief? Wow. You know, one of the things that I've enjoyed doing is I've been helping others with grief. Grief is just so dynamic and that it can change a person, but we also have a choice. And like you said, is that I made, you know, a pivot in what I was doing. And so when I first lost Courtney, I know that I made a decision to not let my loss define me, but I ultimately knew that it would refine me. And because of everything that's happened in between, that's why I'm here doing what I do now. And that's what's made the big difference for me to be able to move forward and help others. Mm-hmm. And so when you work with people, what's pretty much the first thing you want to begin um, in, in the dialogue with them? Yvette, I love that question. And one of the things is that to let them know that it's about choices and that deciding if they are ready to make those choices and be open and willing to walk through the pain to heal. I think that's what stops so many people is that they're like, it's too painful to do this. So rather than being able to walk through that to heal, they stay where they are, and yet they're still experiencing pain. 
it's painful either way. But when you walk through it and move forward, you get better and you heal. If you're here, you stay stuck and it lasts. I so agree. So one thing we say on the show is that we need to choose joy. And I always say that I really don't mean to be flippant about it because I'm not trying to say, oh, just suck it up, choose joy, because I I know that's not it at all. But I do believe that it is a choice that you have to reach. But what you just said, I think is so fascinating, um, and I hadn't really thought about that, is that some people might not be ready to move through and make the choice. So while, while I can encourage to do that, you know, make the choice to find your joy, for some people, there's some work they have to do. And I imagine that's what you do. Absolutely. I help them to do that. You know, and I see so many people and this is where it, 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 it breaks my heart because when, when they openly admit and just say, I can't and I won't ever get over this loss, then you know what? Unfortunately, they won't. And they will continue to grieve and hurt until they make a choice to say, okay, I've had enough. I'm ready to move forward. And so it is so important to be able to make that choice and that decision to move forward. And those that are, I give them a hope to know that they can have possibilities of life after losing a loved one, after losing a child. And the way I do that is through really being forward thinking and being present in the moment and think about what our future looks like. What actions can we take to impact our future? How can we think about our future? How, what would that be like? And that's where we come out being refined. Not that we're grateful for what's happened, but we accept that this is what it is. We've make a choice and decide what to do with those consequences or with what's happened to us. So it's really about being conscientious and mindful about our choices and being intentional with our healing. Mm. So fortunately you had a, well, well, now after the second loss, you had you had people around you. You had a support system. You know, you had, you know, your other, your other, your daughter for sure, and other people, your friends. Um, but you also had spiritual support. And you know, you you just mentioned when going through that story that you slammed your hands on the steering wheel and you asked God, why was He asking this of you? Um, so obviously, you have a belief system, and I'd like to know a little bit about how you walk down that path through everything that you've learned, take self-care, you know, your, your own healing, but how did he and your relationship with, with him make a difference? Yeah. And Yvette, it's all the journey. And the thing is, is that when my first, I experienced my first loss, I was not an active Christian. Okay, I believed in God, but that was about it. Um, I knew that there was a higher power and both my mom and sister were very, very active and they really encouraged me to join them in church and having conversations with God and developing that relationship. But I wasn't ready at that time. I was not ready. And so um, I don't ever, I don't recall feeling like, 
I blame God for this, but I did questions like, well, why? Why did it happen? And so in between there, I've had things happen which have drawn me to God, to have this um, mission now to be doing what I'm, I'm, I'm doing. Um, you know, we sometimes don't understand why things happen. And so years ago, I started attending an Al-Anon meetings because my um, ex-husband was an alcoholic. And that's one of the things that they encourage you to do in Al-Anon is to find your higher power. And so I knew my higher power was gone. And I also chose to start attending and taking my children, my three children at this time, to church because my father was also dying from cancer. And I felt at that time that I wanted to be able to have something that I could offer to them to explain to them why they were using their grandfather, why they were losing their grandfather. And so, you know, I started for... I think for all the wrong reasons, you know, um, because I used that because had their dad known I was going Al-Anon, that would have caused a real riff. And so instead I was able to say it was because of their grandfather. And so since then, my relationship has continued to um, morph as I've chosen to attend church. By this time, I was attending church with my sister and having conversations with her, my mom doing Bible studies and becoming more involved. And so with my more recent loss, it has made a difference. It's been about two and a half years since Connor passed. And even walking into that, I had a deeper faith, a stronger faith, and the thing with that, too, is that it's only gotten so much better. And to understand, and I've been doing a, a, a Bible study here for this season, and it is in Genesis, and where we cover a lot of characters in the Bible who suffer greatly and extensively for extended periods of time, but then when God has a plan for them and that he can show them it's like, this is what's happened. So when I can look at that in the Bible and see God's promises and God's work, I know in my season that, yeah, I may be struggling with certain things, but that there is that hope just like those experienced in the Bible. Mm. So feeling like that story is me, <laughs> you know, even though it's from the old Testament, but that story is, is me, broken, and God wants to work with the brokenhearted. And so that has just helped me to realize even more. And it's, you don't know what you don't know, but the more you learn, the, the more you learn and, and how you relate and, and know that God has a plan. And that he is faithful and that he will wait for us. Yes. I mean, he waited 30 years for you. He was there after your second loss and he didn't abandon you. He didn't shut the door on you as if to say, well, you didn't come to me the first time. Why, why should I care now? I mean, he's not, he's not that kind of God. He's not that kind of father. <laughs> no, he's not, you know, isn't vengeful. <laughs> yes. Exactly. 
Um, so you said you're doing Bible study. Um, is there any scripture or verse that really resonates with you or that you're standing on in this season? You know, this has been one of them that which I've really felt like God was sharing with me because in those times when we don't feel God, you know, we're crying. It's like, do you see me? Do you hear my cries? Do you hear my pleas? There are times that that happens and God understands that we feel that way. So yeah, it's um, Isaiah 41, 13. And I'll pull this off here. Um, and I do need my glasses for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for I am the Lord, your God, that takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. And so really feeling like that child and giving my hand to God and that he is holding it and holding me. Do you, do you ever, so, so that imagery is so beautiful that, that he is our father and he's holding our hand. Um, and you are a mother and I'm, I'm sure there are days when you want to hold the hands of your children who are no longer here. Um, that is so difficult, but do you get solace at all from reading his word? Yes. Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, that there's that degree of peace and knowing, again, it's like others have had and experienced these difficult times, but, you know, that that he is a sovereign God, that he's there, he doesn't, you know, abandon us, that it's always there and he's available. And if we cry out to him in anger, he doesn't get angry back, that he hears the spirit, hears our thoughts. A prayer can be as simple as a screech, help that he hears us and knowing ultimately that our existence on earth is not the end that there is a greater place in which I know that I be reunited with my children and my family and that gives me comfort but I also know that I'm not done on this earth. There's a song by Torn Wells that said, God's not done with you. And so I hold on to that because I feel like now I have this purpose and this passion to make a difference and an impact with other women. They deserve to have that hope and that joy and the same peace, which I have. And so you have some resources on your website. Uh, one of which I want to talk about. Um, so your website is thegriefspecialist.com. And I want mm-hmm. to talk about your book, Life After Child Loss, The Mother's Survival Guide to Cope and Find Joy. Um, that title just, I think, speaks straight to, certainly to your experience and to a lot of people. Um, they can get this book uh, as a free download on your website. It's also available on Amazon for an, a real, you know, a physical copy. Um, so I was going to interject here too, just really quick, like um, the grief specialist, because I did do it differently. So it's two E's, the, like I am the grief specialist. Um, and so if you forget the second E, 
Um, you're not going to find me right now. I need to do the redirect with the single E, but the grief specialist, because I have the answers that I can help you. (laughs) Thanks for pointing that out. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So someone's listening right now and I'm sure they're going to go and get this book. So, um, what you, you offer several, um, things to think about when you're going through the process. So what, what areas should people be focusing on when they are beginning their healing? You know, the book really talks about some of the initial things that you're going to experience. And that book was written really following what I experienced the first year. So it's a combination of the healing process where I had people start to journal and writing down their thoughts because I tell you, in grief and trauma, our brain just can't function. And if we can write everything out on paper, then we can start to open up space to be able to clear and bring in thoughts, be able to make decisions. So that's one of the things that I talk about and say, just journal, write it down. There's no rules. You can do it however you want and be sloppy. It can be readable. You can cuss if you want. Whatever it is, it's downloading and getting it out of your brain. Then the other things I talk about is finding your tribe. And what does your tribe look like? Finding those people that are close to you who are there. Now, the thing is, especially with child loss, it is such a foreign thing that people don't want to deal with it. So your tribe may change and you'll need to seek them out and have a few people who can really be there for you. I talk about determining who or what your higher power is. You and I personally call it our higher power, God, our father, our savior. Some others may find something different, but I truly find that having something or somebody that will explain the unexplainable is your higher power and giving that opportunity. Then I talk about other things like your physical health, which helps with the healing. And then things like, you know, how do you create a memorial and how do you deal with the possessions of the person who has passed and really giving you ways to process this. So that's really what the book covers. But like I said, when I reflected back on how I made it through all this time, I realized it was four physical or four health components which have helped me to get through, which is my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. But one does not stand alone, that they are so interrelated that you need to be able to bring them all together. And in our spirituality and our faith with God, Yes, God listens to our prayers, but I also believe that God wants us to take action in our healing. We can't lay in bed and expect that miracle to happen in our healing. But when we start maybe reading the Bible more or start thinking more positive or getting up and moving to heal our bodies, those are the things that work in conjunction with our prayers and with God. So that bringing all four of those together is so important to do that. And so I call that, you know, when I really look back on it, that's what I focused on. So I call that the four cornerstones of healing in your grief. 
Yeah, and you need you need four corners to those four corners and walls to make that house stand. <laughs> so it makes perfect sense. And and it's their your foundation. Absolutely. Uh, and there are things we can do. You know, we can if if for if for some reason we're you know we don't have a lot of family around us or whatever we can go to we can go to church and find a support group there are, there are many or or small groups we can find small groups even that you know in many cases de, you know deal with this particular kind of loss or just grief in general um there are podcasts out now um one in particular is uh weeds seeds and beautiful things and it's about um a, a mother who who lost her child uh, so there are there's resources out there. And then of course there are books and there's your book. Um, and, and there is your coaching. There are opportunities for you to go on the grief specialist.com um, <laughs> and, and check into coaching with you as well. And you do speaking engagements. And so I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a certain, and again, that speaks back to choice, doesn't it? There's a, a certain amount of things that you and your grief and it may seem like you're swimming through sand, but there are some things that you have to begin to do. You need to take action. Yeah. It, it's really about stepping forward and taking action. So example, I've worked with a woman who we started with the physical health because it's so, it helps the body, but then it also helps your mental health when we start to move our body's getting that exercise and getting the blood flow, which then causes endorphins, positive endorphins to be produced, which helps with the mental health. So when we had this discussion, this client and I had this discussion, she felt like I was trying to force her into doing something she didn't want to do when I suggested exercise. And I'm not saying she has to go out and run a marathon or you know ride 100 miles, but I was suggesting that she walked around her block just to get things going and start to establish that and see how she felt. Well, she did decide to commit to doing this for a week and we were gonna check in the following week. She was supposed to note how she felt, whether or not she made it through the block, you know, physically and mentally, what kind of thing she felt was changing. And this was just walking around her block once a day as part of her morning routine. And then what happened is when we got back together, she didn't want to share or admit, but she felt better. And then after like three days, the fourth day, her walk was so much easier because she was just starting to feel it. And she was looking forward to being able to do more. You know, she enjoyed the walks. It was fresh, crisp air. She had a moment to think. She didn't have any music. And so it was quiet space because so many times we have so much going on. And I encourage people when they're doing something like that, that they don't have audio in their ears. You know, I ran the morning of my son's funeral because I knew that I needed to have the energy to make it through the day physically and mentally and I don't run with earbuds or listen to things. And so the first 10 minutes is usually spent just so wrapped up in, in the trials and tribulations, what's going on for that day or how I'm feeling. And then I fall into my groove and I can focus on just putting one foot in front of the other without other things to bother me. And so it releases that brain 
to be able to focus on something that's good for me. And mm. also that day, I was blessed with a beautiful sunrise. And I knew that that was my son saying, you'll be okay, mom. So beautiful. So beautiful. Well, yeah. um, where else can we find you? On social media or uh, do you, or YouTube or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So again, the grief specialist, so with two E's, and I am um, on LinkedIn with that. And with Twitter, it's Peggy A. Green and YouTube. And what I really love about the YouTube is that I have webinars that I've done on there, past webinars from anything to holiday stress to really managing your loss. And then I also have ones that are specific to talking about suicide loss. And that gives you the opportunity to see that. But I also post my Thursday thoughts. So that I, I have an email and, and we can talk about that in a second. But I do a regular Thursday thoughts type of blog, which I publish, put it out in an email it goes onto my Facebook page and that's the same thing. The business page is the grief specialist with two E's. And then I convert that to a um, video so that not only could you read it if you wanted to, but then you can also see it. Um, and so that's that opportunity. So you know, check that piece out. And on my Facebook business page, I have additional grief support on there, giving you more tools and resources to be able to learn more, get involved in the community and walk through your grief. And also on that page, you know, I offer things of opportunities that are coming up, you know, like my book that is available. Um, if you want to participate in grief coaching, you can find more information out there as well. And would you say that this is for, and obviously we have been talking about specifically to you, this loss of a child or children, but there's lots of different kinds of grief. And do you think that, um, that your coaching and that what you have, what you have walked through, um, will be applied to other kinds of grief? Um, you know, a loss of a parent or going through a divorce or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I hadn't mentioned it earlier, but both my parents have passed and my sister has passed as well. So family members, and then the types of loss has been different. So an accident with my daughter and both my um, father and sister passed away from cancer and then my son by suicide. So I've got this quite the mix of losses to family members and, and other, you know, in between divorce and nieces and nephews and stuff. Um, and then to the types of death that they experience. So, you know, when it comes to working through that, the same things apply because we have to take care of ourselves in our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state. And what I like about this is that it's not just to make it through that grief, but I give you lifelong tools that you can apply and use and know and no matter the circumstance. Well, Peggy, thank you so much. I think that I think that there's been a lot of grieving going on just, you know, in our country, but I but but I think that there's there's personal loss and personal grief that a lot of people are experiencing and I think that um listening to you and and going to read your resources 
um, can can really provide a real healing um, process or the beginning of one anyway. And so I hope people take advantage of that and uh, and go check out what you have to give. And um, thank you so much for for really you know being authentic and being so personal and opening up and sharing your story today. Well, Yvette, it's been my pleasure. And I do want to mention that there is one more way if somebody wanted to reach out to me is I think it's so important if you're going to work with somebody that you have an opportunity to get to know them and they get to know you. So I do a complimentary grief breakthrough session where we really determine if the time, if you're ready, if the time is right and if we're a fit. And so you can schedule that. And I've made it super easy. Texting is such a popular way to do any messaging. So um, you can text the word breakthrough, all one word, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H. And that phone number you texted to is 719-789-6808. You can text that to me. I'll send you a link to schedule the time where we can it and really see what the next steps are and how I can help you. Because I know what I've walked through and what I've done is 100% responsible for me being able to be where I am here today. And I know that it works for others and that you can have the hope. And I hope that I am that inspiration for you to see that you can walk through you can be a survivor and you can live a life that is fulfilling, yet still remember your loved one, hold them dear to your heart and really enjoy life like it's meant to be. Thank you, Peggy. It's really been wonderful talking with you. Thanks, Yvette. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to PositivelyJoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.